Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. Today we're talking about a new tier for Disney Plus, I Am Legend's next chapter, the end of Bendergate, and the Batman's got a new dog. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hey, it's Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Uh, now, our our beloved, I was going to call him, uh, Kevin, I was going to call him the Jacked Russell Terrier of Justice, J-Law, nice, I, like I thought, it. right, that works, this week, yep. right? Uh, he's unable to, to help us out, he's off saving the world, uh, so instead, joining me, uh, he is legend, he's... The cutthroat corgi, Kevin Hudson. You know, that's amazing considering that when Sarah and I get our next dog, it will be a corgi. So that's, oh, let's I don't know go. if you knew that, but that is a perfect no. call. So I, I'm there digging you go. it. Is he going to be a cutthroat corgi, though? Like, is he going to No, like... no, he's going to be the goodest little boy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> don't you worry. All right. Well, I mean, speaking of, of getting pets, I was wondering, uh, you know, this week we're going to be talking about the new Super Pets trailer, uh, the DC one that we got. Um, but I want to know, Kevin, if you could have any pet as your superhero sidekick, what pet are you going to have and what power do they have? Um, you know, just give me something with size, something I can ride, which, right? that, it, it, but it has to be very big then. We're talking a very, <laughs> a very large horse at the, at the very least, you know, but I don't know. Uh, I, I watched like Lord of the Rings and the, the elephants. Those are dope. So if, you know, oh, if I could just pick dude. anything in the world, but, uh, yeah. you know what, uh, we, we, we had a beloved, uh, German shepherd. Uh, his name was Hank. He was he was so good and loyal and the nicest guy you'd ever get to pet. But I bet you if something was wrong, he would be right there. And so just from, you know, pets I've known and had experience with, Hank would have been the absolute best sidekick dog in the world. That's that's super sweet. That 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 takes what I'm about to say and make it seem ridiculous. But <laughs> but I'm I, I love that you you technically have already had your super pet. Um, so that's lovely. Um, I for me. I'm going with, you talked about riding this thing. I'm going with a super intelligent hippopotamus with super speed. Nice, man. They're vicious. They're vicious. (laughs) Right? They're vicious. And I also feel like, yeah, like it'll be battle ready. Uh, It can help me solve difficult math equations every now and then. I'm assuming it could talk. Um, But, Kevin, there was this commercial back in the 90s that featured the house hippo in Canada. Do you remember this commercial? Basically a Canadian heritage moment. uh, (laughs) Right? And it's so funny because, like, the Canadian Heritage Moment commercials would come on and sometimes even back-to-back with this one. And the whole point of this advertisement was, like, it's like, you don't believe everything you see on TV. But but it has a very realistic rendering of a miniature hippo sneaking around a house eating peanut butter. And as a little kid, I was like, why? I want to own that. Everybody wanted the little house hippo. <laughs> like, it was almost mean. Couldn't you pick something that you wouldn't want to have? Like, right. don't believe your eyes. It's like, oh, but I want to so bad. <laughs> it's like, why couldn't it have been like a scary, like, like, like I don't know, rat lizard thing or something sure. like that, right? But, sure. Not the cutest little uh, house hippo you ever saw. Yeah, come on. So 
I want a house hippo, but I want a giant one that I can ride with super strength and super. Speed. I like it. I think you'd be you'd be formidable uh, in any situation with the with a, so. a, a set of super skills that your hungry hippo has. So, <laughs> oh, we could and we could market it like we could we could make some money off this guy. Like if he's super smart and super intelligent, he's going into business with me. You know what I mean? I go. think we we yeah. get there. We we'd make the news. Speaking of the news, uh, Kevin, let's get into this week's news. Let's do it. It's all about the details. All right. Uh, John DiMaggio is returning for Futurama um, for the revival on Hulu. Bendergate is officially over. We talked about this, I think, three weeks ago on the podcast. And this is an update coming to us from Nelly Andriva over at Deadline, who writes an update uh, for us saying, Futurama will be back with its lead cast intact when Matt Groening and David... uh, Sorry, when the Matt Groening and David X. Cohen's cult animated sci-fi comedy returns with new episodes on Hulu in 2023. Holdout John DiMaggio has closed a deal to reprise his signature voice role as foul-mouthed robot Bender and an assortment of other characters in the revival, which has a 20-episode order. The news comes three weeks after the announcement that Futurama would possibly return without DiMaggio, which mobilized fans who took to social media to throw their support behind him using hashtag Bendergate. DiMaggio referenced the hashtag in his note to fans two weeks ago and in his statement about uh, his return to the show today. While the official Futurama revival announcement by Hulu and 20th Century sorry, 20th television animation last month, indicated that the role of Bender would be recast. That never happened. A producer uh, filled in uh, and read the part during the first table read as the studio and DiMaggio remained hopeful that a resolution could be reached. Uh, He put out a note saying, I'm back, baby. So damn grateful for the love and support of fans and colleagues alike during this whole time, especially my wife, Kate. And I cannot wait to get back to work with my Futurama family, DiMaggio said. Hashtag Bendergate is officially over so put it on the back of the shelf behind the Xmas decorations or maybe in that kitchen drawer with all the other crap you put in the there, like the old unusable crazy glue or maybe even put it in a, in a jar that you save your farts in. Whatever floats your boat. I don't care. You get the picture. I'm back, baby. Bite my shiny metal ass, which is just perfect. Uh, it is unclear whether DiMaggio's return comes with a pay bump. Um, according to sources, it was minimal at best, but both sides are happy with reaching the agreement, sources said. So, Kevin, with all that said, are you stoked to see DiMaggio returning? And what are your hopes for this uh, revival next year? Uh, I mean, I I will say I wish that some more uh, pressing, uh, serious, real-world issues could be resolved this quickly. Uh, Oh, my gosh, yes. Obviously, we're (laughs) thinking about overseas when I say that. Uh, Yeah, of course. And then I'll be selfish and say that there's a particular baseball lockout that's been going (laughs) on for... uh, well over 70 days that, uh, you know, and it's money coming between the two sides there that, you know, again, for personal reasons, I'd like to see a resolution on. But <laughs> as a fan, obviously, of Futurama and, and DiMaggio's work, uh, this is great news. And I mean, I think we all kind of figured this was going to happen, especially when yeah. it became quite clear that they can't recast them. But you also can't have Futurama without Bender. So this felt like more of a matter of time than an if. Uh, yes. And here we are. So it's, it's good news for all parties involved. Yeah, I'm happy they came to an agreement. Like, it, it, the show literally announced its return with a promotional image featuring Bender. So it would be insane if they didn't bring back Bender or, or, or you know, bring back DiMaggio. So I'm, I'm excited uh, for DiMaggio to come back. I am hoping that it is like 20 episodes and then it's done. 
Like, I, I don't know if, if it, like, I feel like it would be dangerous for them to go further than that. I, I don't know. I feel like th- just do the show, make, make some funny jokes about how old school it is to, like, do a reboot, right? Like, maybe it's, like, an old trope by that point in, in the timeline where it's, like, they make fun of it and be like, oh, that's, like, such a, a phased-out thing that was done because of money-hungry corporations back in the 20s or something, right? And they'd sort of talk about what a reboot is, and I could see them going that route. Absolutely. You know they're going to poke fun at it somehow. Um, I mean, this isn't even the first time we've gotten a Futurama reboot, <laughs> true, to be fair. True, this, is, this is the yeah. second time in the last 10 years or so that they've they've already done this. Um, you know, I do like Matt Groening's quote, pure old-school Matt Groening, uh, you know, uh, ever since we cast uh, John DiMaggio in the role uh, last century, uh, we knew we had our <laughs> bender. And so, you know, it, it's true that, uh, you know, we've been here and, and done this before. They even had four movies that they made. Um, yeah. So if they think they have good ideas that are worth telling, then I'm always down for another trip to the future. Yeah, man. And I think it's it also, you know, we were talking uh, three weeks ago about just how tight the voiceover and voice acting community is. And I think it's I think it's pretty cool. And I think, you know, nobody, nobody was stepping into that audition out of respect, uh, which I think is really, really cool. And I, I also think this is one instance where, you know, we, we talk about angry fans and really loud fans on the Internet. And usually it's the angriest fans that make the most noise. Unfortunately, it's not the positive stuff. So to see like a positive change come from this Twitter thing, um, it doesn't happen too often, but it's nice to see when it does. No, so we should appreciate it when it does. Right. Exactly. Um, but yes, uh, I am super stoked for this. I'm hoping uh, that we get to. Maybe see a little bit of uh, a teaser or a trailer this year. Obviously, it's coming out next year, but um, it would be really nice to see if they can find a way to... And I guess it would be if it's Hulu, right? It is Hulu, right? And then so it would be Disney Plus in Canada? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, Yeah, I would imagine so, yeah. Sweet deal. Uh, Well, speaking of Disney Plus, um, Disney Plus to introduce cheaper ad-supported plan later this year. This in a write-up from Todd Spangler at Variety, who writes, uh, In a first for Disney's flagship direct-to-consumer streaming service, Disney Plus will launch an ad-supported subscription plan later this year. The ad-supported Disney plan will be introduced beginning uh, in the U.S. in late 2022, with plans to expand internationally in 2023, the media conglomerate announced Friday. No pricing or specific launch date was announced. Uh, The AVOD version, I guess that's like ad-free version, of Disney Plus will be offered at a price less than the... Oh, no, that is the the ad-supported version. Will be offered at a price less than the ad-free version in the U.S., uh, which costs $7.99 per month. Disney said the ad-supported version of Disney Plus is a building block for the company's target of reaching 230 million to 260 million Disney Plus subscribers worldwide by the end of its fiscal 2024 year. Uh, At the end of 2021, Disney Plus had already 129.8 million paying customers worldwide, gaining 11.8 million for the quarter, uh, ending on January 1st, 2022. So, Kevin, what do you think of this ad-supported version of the service? And if you had to put a price on it, what what is your? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna play a, a game show here, or whatever. I don't. The price is right. I, I already think the price of Disney Plus is is so great for the amount That's of stellar. content you get, for the yeah. amount of content that will will just keep getting pumped to us with yeah. things like Futurama alone. Let never mind the Disney specific shows that you know we're only a month away from Moon Knight. It's I mean. I don't. I can't imagine how much less 
they would be charging to make it worth it for me to go, yeah, I don't mm -hmm. mind sitting and watching an ad every time I want to watch right. something. It just, it, it would never seem worth it to me unless it was free. And then maybe I could sure. see people considering it, but yeah. to save a couple bucks a month and then have to watch an ad every time you wanted to watch something on the service, just, it wouldn't, that's not my cup of tea. So there is no price you could put on, on adding <laughs> advertisements to the content, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's you know it's interesting. I, um, I, I've I've sort of met quite a few people that that have sort of um, there was the whole aspect of like the premium content coming to Disney Plus, and they're like, oh no no, I'll wait till it's on regular Disney Plus. And so like if those are my friends that don't want to pay uh, an extreme price for something, but they're still totally fine with paying the the premium pr the, or the regular price, I guess for uh, for the service. Um, you know, I I didn't I've not really heard of too many people but there's definitely people out there i mean there you know netflix introduced a a you know a budget version of their subscription service as well uh, over the last few years and i think i think this is mostly to reach a lot of audiences who yeah you know what it it's it is a, a big deal for them to spend those those few extra dollars and i think it's it's just great that we can get this expanded to more audiences um cuz again the content is is just stellar and i i think honestly Three ninety nine would be incredibly competitive. I don't know if it's going to go that route. I'm thinking four ninety nine is where they're going to land. Uh, yeah, I could see it being anywhere in that ballpark. But I mean, as great as this is going to be for people who you know saving a couple bucks can can mean a lot. So for those people, this is going to be great. This is huge for Disney. This is yeah. adding such yeah. a huge revenue stream for them. Let's let's really sort of call <laughs> out who's going to be sure. benefiting from from this change. I think the most and. Whether they want to mask that as being beneficial to future potential customers, I think we all know who's 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 benefiting the most here. Totally, and I mean, advertisers probably have been wanting this for a really long time. I mean, you, you got to imagine the amount of streams that these shows, like Moon, these event shows, right, Moon Knight and the Star Wars shows, are pulling in in terms of numbers. So for for advertisers, that's a, a huge thing. I just the biggest thing for me, and I, I'm going to stick with the ad free version but it's just you know have you ever tried um stack tv have you ever tried on amazon prime they have channels that you can get and one of them is stack tv you have and and so i i, will, I think yeah. so yeah yeah the dude the the ads in the paid version of stack tv are terrible every 10 minutes you suffer through multiple ads and like that's okay fine but they're ads for the service that you're already paying for like i don't understand the whole reasoning behind that it, and it doesn't make sense because i think the one show that i was I, I i can recall watching and seeing these ads was um ap bio and yeah. the problem was the ap bio was obviously filmed and edited to include commercial breaks but these right. commercial breaks weren't coming at those parts. They were coming <laughs> like towards the end of scenes. So yeah. you'd get abruptly cut off, see a, sh a crappy ad, and then watch the last five seconds of a scene before <laughs> then that natural moment. So whoever was lining them up did not do a very good job. I can right. I, that really stood out. Like I think I think the 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 better way to go about it would be like because these ads were just like general like stack TV like buy stack TV and it's like. If it was like an ad for another show on Stack TV that I might be interested in, that's different. Like I could totally see them doing something like coming in March to Disney Plus as an ad, but then obviously they're going to want to work with other advertisers as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of 
what kind of ads we get and um uh, I think Disney has a little more class than something like Stack TV, so I'm hoping. Yeah, I they... would, I would imagine so, but it will be interesting. <laughs> that is one aspect we didn't even consider is what these advertisements will be. So that'll be definitely worth following up on it and seeing towards the end of the year. Right, and if they're, if they're, are they only going to be in in you know the streaming show? Uh, stuff will they have them before movies um, like are you going to sit down to watch multiverse of madness for instance uh, and run into a bunch of ads speaking of the multiverse of madness uh, Kevin Feige says Benedict Cumberbatch has become the MCU <laughs> I'm getting a I'm getting a that transition was okay uh, from Kevin here um, I'll give you a B <laughs> <laughs> okay all right I'll a take B it for Benedict for Benedict, Kevin Feige says Benedict Cumberbatch has become the MCU's anchor. Uh, this is a, a write-up brought to us by Matt Albrin of Screen Rant. Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, has recently labeled Benedict Cumberbatch as the Marvel Cinematics Universe's as the, sorry, that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe's anchor. During a speech to celebrate Cumberbatch receiving a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. That's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, Feige shared his congratulations with the Doctor Strange star, uh, saying, quote, Benedict has turned this character into an icon, appearing in a historic three of the top six films of all time. It's been quite a journey. I remember our first meeting was set up as a general, uh, and we wanted to pitch him this great character. And before we could, he said, so tell me about Doctor Strange, because you knew. Uh, because somewhere you knew that, uh, sorry, because somewhere you knew what this could be, and you've always wanted to see the tremendous potential in this character. Because of that, you've become the anchor of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the only actor capable of guiding us through the madness of the multiverse. Which, that's just like Kevin Feige's on another level when he's writing his 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 speeches at that point. Uh, but Kevin, you know, do you think this is just? Kevin Feige being nice because he's given a speech at the the whole Walk of Fame thing? Or do you think this movie is seriously going to change the MCU as we know it with Doctor Strange as its anchor? I just, I think, I think there's no, no way around it. I think yeah. phase four is so clearly defined uh, both by Spider-Man and by the What If series in terms of what we should really expect to see going forward. Yeah. And Doctor Strange is the anchor. He is the centerpiece of this new movement. And so... I think it, it it's definitely not just blowing smoke here. I think everything Feige says, especially because so much of this is his vision, he would know better than anybody. And I just think, I really do think that the, the Doctor Strange character has come a long way from his, you know, decently received first movie, but, you know, sure. he, it, he was just sort of a character who was there. And the way he has become so involved into everything that's going on right now, it, and it came at such an important time when we did lose our two anchors from the first three, uh, you know, phases and the first right. decade and a bit of the MCU, he is, I think, the perfect character because of where we are in the storytelling of these movies. He is that perfect character to guide us through that phase. That's I, I never even thought of it that way. Of like the I didn't even think of who the other anchors would be. But you're right. Yeah, very much so. Captain America and and Tony Stark sort of being our our initial big anchors for the for the entirety of the MCU. I love. I love the idea that like what if really did set us up for kind of what to expect. Um, and I think if he's a part of all the movies going forward, I think that's that's awesome. It it almost makes me feel silly for being so hung up on possibly seeing him in, in WandaVision. Like I was just like, they have to have him in WandaVision. Like he's got to be there. And it's like, don't worry, you're going to get your fill of, of Doctor Strange. There's going to be a lot of them going forward. I mean, I do think that it certainly had to have been something they talked about potentially doing at the end of that series, especially yeah. when you see 
that these characters are going to be coming together in such a strong way here in his next movie. And I wonder how much has really changed with them having to sort of move their schedule around and refilm so much of the movie coming up. I, I, you know, there's obviously so much juggling that they do that we'll never even possibly know about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think even if it is just in little cameos, like at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, just these little moments where he might just pop in because he is that central character. And so you'll get him for five minutes yeah. and, and whatnot. But no, I, th I certainly think the next few movies going forward, I think he'll be just so integral, so essential. Or they, maybe they use him, uh, kind of like the Nick Fury character in the original movies. Like they almost use him as a, as that anchor point at the end of every movie to sort of pull together this, this overall story. And I'm just, I'm curious to th like, I, I feel like it's not hyperbolic to think, think that maybe this multiverse of madness movie that we're getting in two months kevin uh is gonna be kind of like a, an infinity war level event you know like it very well could just be the the thing that changes everything um so i'm i'm really stoked for that i'm i'm I, you know, I, I think Benedict Cumberbatch being the the anchor is awesome because i am a i am very much a self-proclaimed uh cumber person which by the way kevin that's what he wants his fans to be called not cumber bitches I don't know if you okay. heard about this. Yeah, he, Fair enough. In an I didn't interview. even know that was a thing, but okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> since yeah. since the, the the Sherlock days, I I've been a big uh, cumber person. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, it's, it's it's incredible that he he really quickly, at least for North American audiences, established himself as a world class actor, yeah. who then entered into the MCU. Very different from you know your Robert Downey Juniors, who were you know on the mend and recovering in a, in their Hollywood career, but not the big name that they would be, right? This is really, mm -hmm. he, Benedict might still be that the, the best actor in the world to immerse himself so heavily into the MCU. And, and the, uh, the MCU really does benefit from having his presence in these movies. And going forward, you know, he played such a huge role in the Infinity War stuff towards the end there that now that he's going to sort of be that captain, that leader running the ship, yeah. I think he's the perfect guy to be doing it. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Cool. Well, I'm I I didn't think I could be more excited for that movie, but <laughs> after Kevin Feige said this, I'm like I'm more excited. They just um, they they, come, they they you know they know what they're doing over at Marvel. I think they, they might have figured it out. <laughs> Suffice to say, there's going to be a ton of come Burbatch in the future. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> but the, you know what is not going to be in the future? A Gotham PD series because. Uh, the Batman Gotham PD series has evolved to become an Arkham haunted house story. This in a write-up from Joe Scrabbles over at IGN. Joe Scrabbles sounds like a character from Arkham already, actually, to be honest with you. Um, the Batman director, Matt Reeves, has said that the spin-off series focused on the Gotham Police Department has evolved into a series focused on Arkham Asylum and compared it to a horror movie or haunted house story. The spin-off series, which has never formally been named, uh, was announced in 2020 uh, and was subsequently said to focus on Jeffrey Wright's Jim Gordon. However, it seems plans have changed Matt Reeves spoke to YouTube channel The Cyber Nerds. The cyber Nerds? Get over here on Geekcentric, Matt Reeves. What are you talking <laughs> to the Cyber Nerds for? Uh, and suggested the show will fo uh, now focus on a different part of Gotham's history. Quote, the GCPD thing, that story has... Uh, story has kind of evolved um we've actually now moved in more into the realm of exactly what would happen in the world of arkham as it relates to coming off our movie and some of the characters again in their origins uh it's like a horror movie or a haunted house that is 
Arkham. Uh, quote, again, the way that Gotham is a character in the movie, I really want Arkham to exist as a character. So that you go into this environment and encounter these characters in a way that really feels that feels really fresh, uh, and so in our work on Gotham, that story started to evolve, and it started feeling like, wait, should we really lean into this? And that's kind of where that's gone. Uh, so, Kevin, without spoilers for for obviously the Batman, we just saw the Batman. Check out our spoiler filled review if you've seen it, um, where we we talk about the future of. And this was before this news popped, so obviously our our thoughts on the future are a little outdated at this point. Um, but I'm just curious: Do you think this is a good shift for the spinoff series? And do you think we're still going to get Gotham PD at all in the in this show? I mean, it's so tough, right? Because after seeing sort of the direction they took this new iteration of Batman. I'm not sure if a show carried by the Jim Gordon character would have much longevity or interest in it. I mean, perhaps with the right minds and the right kind of storytelling, but certainly focusing on Arkham, which has almost been a really underdeveloped aspect in most of the movies that we've seen in the past. Being somebody who just played the Arkham video game series recently, I was really, really late to the punch with that one. Um, Taking that and making it, obviously, it, have, it would have to be a bit more grounded than the video games were, which, you know, had a lot more of the cartoony aspects. But I right. think this could be really creepy and really scary. And so many elements of the Batman were sort of based in horror and that psychological thriller aspect that I could see a TV show focusing more on that. And certainly, now that we've been introduced to one character in particular from the movie and then teased another character do we right. do we yeah. see them here is this where we we could we start to see them already which would be just incredibly exciting but even some other characters that could f- have future bigger roles in in the batman franchise if they if they do want to go in that direction yeah i mean it feels like they're gonna it's probably they're probably going to use this to build up even further the rogues gallery i mean the batman being a like a, a three-hour movie you know, obviously they had to stuff a lot of stuff in there. And for the most part, we talked about how they, they pulled that off. But it, it's, you know, I think the even even with the amount of villains that you have, the fact that they're doing multiple spin-off series and and still we're you know we're we're we need that to fit all these villains in uh, I think is really intriguing I do hope that we still get Jeffrey Wright in the show because um the they changed the show writer I think the showrunner was originally Terrence uh Winter um but he left due to creative differences and so Joe Barton uh who's done um I've never seen these but Giri Haji um which is a movie about detectives actually uh, and also The Ritual, which is on Netflix, which is like a horror movie. So it almost feels like that's a, a perfect mixture based off of his past and in terms of getting a, a show that maybe we do get, like Jeffrey Wright, you know, sort of investigating what's going on at Arkham. Well, and maybe maybe his character is better served as as a character we see occasionally here and also in the rumored Cobblepot spinoff right. series. If we sort of get both of those and we can see, and Gordon is our link He's the anchor. I don't think he's our anchor for <laughs> yeah. this sort of yeah. mini franchise because I don't think that character or that, that that they they would do it with the Batman character himself. And so right. James Gordon is a perfect sort of link to thread all of these different narratives going on together. And I think it, you know, speaking of the Cobblepot show, I think that would be cool if 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 it sheds some light on, you know, maybe the, you know, stuff with Maroni and Falcone and like if it is maybe more of a prequel thing, like we get to sort of see like how 
Cobblepot got to where he gets to, or I would even honestly, I would even be down for like a a pre and post, like a, a show that with flashbacks, right? Like where we get to see the the how Cobblepot got to where he got to, and then kind of what he continuing does. off, yeah. right? Off of the the movie, I think would be really really neat. And uh, I mean, Colin Farrell, I'm just I'm stoked for that too. Like I'm I'm excited for for this, especially given that it is it is HBO. Like it's I think they're gonna really rock it. I just can't imagine how long the makeup process takes for Colin Farrell. And to want to do that for a TV show, that is a a level of commitment that must be applauded. And really, I think shows, and I mean, his performance spoke volumes alone, just how much he he is invested in this character and, and wants to tell these stories as this character. And so I think, you know, either we're, we're, we're benefiting from getting to see more of that performance. Certainly. I'm so stoked. I'm really excited. And, I just think it's great that we're getting, you know, these these different stories uh, about these superheroes. Um, and I'm just I'm really intrigued. It's just funny that Matt Reeves was so very much like it's going to be a you know, it's going to be its own contained story. But then he's like, but then I have all these other ideas as well. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, I like that. You, he was reserved. He wanted people to see it and react yeah. before, you know. Going, listen, I felt we had something here, but now that yeah. everyone agrees, and I, th- <laughs> I do think it's funny that DC's been trying for a long, long time to create their own universe and, and going big and hard and super fast trying to throw together a Justice League has worked to mixed effects a- at best. Whereas yeah. here, I think because there's so much that they can explore with the Batman character and Gotham and just that contained area alone, almost having that focus will help them give us better stories without having to tie too many crazy elements together, keeping it in one little, this might be the formula then that finally works in creating a little, you know, universe that DC can play off of for, for years to come. Very cool. Yeah. I'm very excited. Hopefully we get to learn more this year uh, about that universe. Speaking of creating a universe, uh, interesting sort of announcement uh, very recently Um I Am Legend, next chapter, Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan to star and produce together for the first time with Akiva Goldsman back to write. Uh, This is actually in an exclusive report from Anthony D'Alessandro over at Deadline, who wrote, Warner Bros. is upping the stakes on its I Am Legend franchise. I don't know if one movie is a franchise, but I guess you add this one and it will be, uh, to a stratospheric level. For its next chapter, the studio is bringing back not only the original star, Will Smith, but also Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan in what will rep the duo's first big movie together as stars and producers. Plot details, of course, are being kept under wraps, but Oscar winner Akiva Goldsman, who adapted Richard Matheson's 1954 novel for the original 2007 movie, is also returning to pen the follow-up and produce as well. All these deals are closed, uh, I understand, but no director is attached as the project is still being developed. Francis Lawrence directed the original I Am Legend. So, Kevin, I'm extremely stoked to hear this news. I think the original movie was was really, really good, and I, I just... But, you know, now that it's 2022... And this movie's probably not coming out till you got to imagine 2024. Do you think the world has reached zombie fatigue, or do you think we've we've got enough of a break from zombies by that point? What do you think? I don't know. I certainly think that that anything telling a story about zombies almost needs to be original rather than a retread of things that we have just been bombarded with over the last 15, 20 years. Right. I mean, it's even been 
it'll be almost what over 15 years in between it's, it's the movies at this point. It's a 15-year-old movie, dude. And now, like, let me ask you crazy. this. It's been 15 years since I've seen the movie, but yeah. doesn't Will Smith die at the end of that movie? Yes. So yeah. will we be getting him, I guess, in flashbacks so for this let me, let me explain. Let me explain. As, as an I Am Legend super fan, uh, mm. I actually watched it. I watched it like last year or whatever, like again as a rewatch, and just like because I was going through my letterbox and I was like, I don't think I've left a review for I Am Legend. So I'm like, I'm going to watch that. So I popped that on. It's such a good, it's such a good movie. Um, but there is an alternate ending uh, in which he actually, he does live. Uh, and he actually goes off with, um, I think their name is like Ethan and Anna or something to, uh, where do they go? They go to, they go to Vermont. Um, and they, you know, he makes it out alive. But... In a way, I remember that being very controversial because the whole aspect of I am legend is that he is he is a legend and like the legend died. You know what I mean? Like the the legend of him is only a legend because he died. Uh, And so I feel like if they go with the alternate ending, it kind of diminishes that idea. But I could see them doing like um, almost like a I don't know, like you've got Ethan grown up and they utilize like flashbacks and then you know the Michael B Jordan characters like Ethan's friend or something I don't know I really don't know how they're going to write their way around it or if they're just not going to acknowledge the original ending at all but I, I mean know, you kind of have to and and I trying to do some research here I can't really find anything quick enough but I think I I know the book ended differently than the movie did and so oh you okay. know I I I almost think he did survive in the book somehow mm. by maybe even just injecting himself with the cure or something like that. Again, don't quote me on it because I haven't read the book and seen the movie in so long. Um, I will just call out something really quickly from this article because I found it absolutely hilarious. And it says, yeah. uh, talk about two big stars aligning. Smith and Jordan's movies combined have grossed a massive $12.3 billion worldwide. If you took out... Michael B. Jordan's name and inserted me into that sentence, it yeah. would still be like the, the movies have grossed uh, 11 billion worldwide. <laughs> I, I mean, let's, yeah. let's really give credit to who's brought in, you know, 11 <laughs> of that 12 billion dollars. Sure. <laughs> I, just, I found it very funny that combined they've done this. Well, no, mostly Will Smith has. Totally. But I think, I think um, you know, Michael B. Jordan, I think, has made a, he's made quite a, a big name for himself in the past few years, especially with like, you know the Creed series and stuff sure, like that. Sure, but so. you know those movies aren't grossing, you know, in the billions, right? No, for like, sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's he's more respected for his acting than he is his box office appeal, if you will, or his box office drawing numbers so far. Totally. Uh, I totally. mean, that's not you know you can't, you can't skirt off something that had the worldwide success of Black Panther, but uh, no, right? The, the you know, uh, but it is a, an interesting collaboration. I'm just I have so many more questions that I need answered and addressed <laughs> before I can really get excited for, for this. Because if you had asked me before hearing this news, is I Am Legend something you want a sequel to? My first question yeah. would be, but how? Right. So, so once they yeah. can start addressing those, I mean, maybe they don't even know yet. It's just something they want to do. But once they yeah. figure that out and tell me, I'll let you know how, how excited I actually am. I'm sure we'll have a future trailer time to, to rehash this discussion in a year or two from now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am, uh, I am so stoked because... I think, um, you know, the even though zombie fatigue is definitely a thing, the world they built in that movie of just like 
New York being reclaimed by the Earth, I think, was kind of one of the most fascinating aspects about it, like the animals that are there running around and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I really hope that we do get to see uh, some more information, maybe in a future trailer time. But you're right. Speaking of trailer time. It's trailer time. All right. Our first trailer uh, this is for TMZ. No, uh, not TMZ. DMZ. <laughs> that would be a very different uh, movie uh, or series. This is actually a series directed by Ava DuVernay and Ernest R. Dickerson. Um, DMZ is an upcoming American dystopian streaming television miniseries created by Robert Patino based on the comic book series, the DC comic book series, of the same name by Brian Wood and Ricardo uh, Bercielli. Um, it stars character Alma Ortega, a New York medic uh, who becomes a symbol of hope in a demilitarized Manhattan Island while trying to find her lost son during the Second American Civil War. This is starring Rosario Dawson, Venus Ariel, Benjamin Bratt, Hoon Lee, Jordan Preston Carter, John Woo, and Ronaldo Gallegos. Uh, and this is actually coming really soon in the next, like, within the next week or so, uh, March 17th on uh, HBO Max. Kevin, what did you think of DMZ? Um, I'll just be perfectly honest. This one didn't really do a lot for me. And I think I think there's a lot of misleading going on in this trailer that, yeah. you know, it led me to do some research and find out what the heck was actually going on. And I think, yeah, they're being a little sneaky with how they're marketing this as, you know, they really wanted you to know it's from D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really say that it's in Manhattan and not say a Gotham uh, and right. then they even show a character in a Batman outfit at the end and yeah, I'm thinking son's in a little for, casual, costume. for casual fans that they might feel like this is that kind of spin-off that we were talking about earlier in the show <laughs> so so I don't yeah. I, it I mean the fact that it's only five episodes might be the most exciting for me if this is truly mm. just a little mini series story that they want to tell because the comic books told a great story and and this is all it is then then maybe looking at it through that lens, I would maybe change my opinion on it. Yeah, I, I, it looks interesting. This literally like popped uh, like a few hours before we went into recording. And, you know, it's funny, the fact that we're talking about the sequel to I Am Legend. So much of this reminded me of I Am Legend, obviously a little more populated and it's not just her. But I got to say there, you know, there are some rough shots and visually like I don't know if it's not finished yet, but like there's a sequence where she's walking into the city and it looks like she's green screened onto a piece of concept art. Like it looks <laughs> re- <laughs> it looks so rough. And I was, you know, I, I think I've said in literally like last week or the week before just how much I find HBO content to be so well executed from a production standpoint. Um, I did a little bit of digging and apparently I think this was originally being developed for like FX or, or mm. something along those lines. So it, maybe that's kind of where that is coming from. Um, but I will say, like, I'm I'm intrigued. I love Rosario Dawson. I think, is there something in her contract that says if she's attapt, attached to, like, a Marvel or DC project, she has to play a doctor? Like, is that, is that a rule? Because she's you know, always she, a doctor. She's got a wide range, you know, expanded <laughs> out. Uh, well, right. And speaking, of, and speaking of things this reminds you of, I, I got very yeah. much, like, the first purge. Almost, you know, okay. but instead yep. of it being for one night, this is just kind of how these people live all the time. 
But yeah. yeah, it does. It does. It certainly doesn't seem like a place I'd want to uh, be be stuck in trying to survive every day in, in in an environment like this. And I mean, I like Benjamin Brad a lot. I think uh, he he can just he plays a smarmy yeah douchebag so well in the right role that you know I think there's there's potential here. I I just I don't know. I don't know. I'm so on the fence. Yeah, I'm very. I'm cautiously optimistic just because, like, again, I Am Legend 2 is so far away. And the fact that this is, like, even just, like, even to the point where, like, uh, um, in, in the original trailer for I Am Legend, it was, like, the lion that, like, lifts its head up and looks over. Or I don't know if it was a cougar or something like that. But then in this, it's, like, it's a leopard and it's almost shot for shot the same thing and so i'm just like i just want my fix i guess um just after hearing about the news of the the, the next one so i'm like maybe this will be it um so it'll be really uh interesting to see how it pans out i am really hoping that the writing is stronger than the visuals because it really looks made for tv but we'll have to wait and see maybe again those were unfinished um but speaking of sort of unfinished visuals uh let's talk about the bubble uh this trailer dropped originally actually dropped a trailer for cliff Cliff Beast 6, is it, I think, um, which dropped. And then I know the internet was ablaze sort of trying to figure out what is this? What's going on? A lot of sleuths figured out that it was a Judd Apatow thing. But um, I remember like sending it to our our, our group chats and just being like, um, this looks way better than the books. That's the first time I think I've ever said that for Cliff Beast or something <laughs> like that. And Justin was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but um, this is from Judd Apatow. Uh, it's about a group of actors and actresses stuck inside of a pandemic bubble at a hotel uh, where they com- they attempt to complete a film. Uh, it's starring a, a, a pretty stacked cast Karen Gillan, Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, Fred Armisen, Keegan Michael Key, David Duchovny, Iris Apatow, uh, Guz Khan, and Maria Bakalova. And it comes out on April Fool's Day uh, on Netflix, April 1st. Uh, Kevin, what did you think about this 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 uh, very COVID centric looking movie? Uh, I mean, I- I'm always going to be excited for a Judd Apatow movie until I'm I'm given a reason not to be, uh, and I I just I hope that the best joke in the movie isn't the way they've written Cliff Beasts, uh, right? With the six as the S in the title, which is just such a a thing that crappy <laughs> well, it was movies like do five, nowadays. Five, like five cream, right? Like it's the same exactly, idea, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I love I love making fun of of that sort of aspect, and and I mean I think it's it's got so much potential in that. I love the idea of showing how a movie like this would be filmed and the behind the scenes and how silly it would be for these characters to be doing these things, but in just seeing the green screen behind them and everything, especially the big flying dragons as they're standing there in their costumes waiting for the next take or reacting to something that's happened with one of the other actors. And so, again, Judd Apatow uh, always has my attention. And so, and it's, and with a cast like this, I really like a lot of the players that they've got here. I think there's I think there's potential for this to be really funny. And again, I don't think the focus is going to be necessarily on COVID. It'll almost be right. that first step towards looking back at this time and going, man, how did we get through the, the these two years? I just hope, like, I I don't know if I'm like mentally there yet to 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 laugh at these situations as much. Like, again, I think the aspect of having sort of that. Um, you know, catharsis of like getting it off your chest and 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 seeing it 
happen. And I think for a lot of these actors as well, there's probably a lot, you know, for them to sort of look at and, and laugh about just from a production standpoint. And yeah. I think to, to the same degree, like if it's not fully focused on, on COVID stuff, but maybe just generally like the difficulties of making a, a blockbuster movie and, and sort of riffing off of that. I know, you know, Hollywood loves to, to like parody itself and to, to, to kind of tell its story about itself. Um, so it'll be, it'll be really interesting. And exactly. you know, Judd yeah, Apatow's I, got a decent track record. So I, I don't want to see a movie parody, parody parodying COVID and, right. and the, the hardships that everybody went through and, and just how crazy that all has been. I think, it's almost like, you know, because we, we even talked about some of the stories about, you know, Tom Cruise on the set of yeah. Mission Impossible and going into crazy procedures to, yeah. to, to, to make sure they could keep filming under those conditions. And I think he went, oh, I, could, I would love to see the behind the scenes of that. Why yeah. don't I just make that up, you know? And I get a lot of, for some reason, I almost get a lot of Hamlet 2 with Steve Coogan. Did you ever see that movie? No. No. Is Hamlet it, is it? 2? Sounds hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Hamlet two with Steve Coogan. Uh, this it's a, a brilliantly underrated, underseen comedy movie from the 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 late twenty tens or the I guess the 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 late twenty zeros. Um, definitely go check it out. And I just get so many vibes of this this cast of miss you know uh, you know this cast of goofballs trying to put together a production that's way over their heads and the struggles that they face doing it. So yeah. if it's if it's funny and 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 endearing in that regard, this this will be a total winner. Uh, but yeah, again, check out Hamlet two if you haven't seen it. So underappreciated. Hamlet two, okay. I mean, the the only thing I I from a negative standpoint besides the whole COVID thing was like we talk about uh, trailers kind of showing all their jokes or showing all their their you know putting all their cards in their trailer. Um, we you know we kind of did talk a little bit about that in terms of like the Batman trailer as well, and it's just like. I, I'm just worried that it's going to be like, I'm hoping it's more than just a sequence of comedy sketches over and over again. But it was interesting too, because it looked like they almost included like characters or actors like breaking at moments too. Like there's that moment in the trailer where the guy's like, use your, your eyes or whatever. And then he like looks around and then he kind of like lets out a little laugh. And I'm just wondering if like, maybe they're also going to sort of include some of that blooper-esque sort of aspect to it. Okay, so I'm not crazy because I did notice that once yeah. or twice in the trailer and thought that was an odd way for that to have been filmed or to have kept that out blooper in right, for the scene. Yeah. And so if that's a whole element that they really didn't show in the trailer but exists in the movie, uh, that would be really cool and would definitely avoid it being just the 10 jokes that we saw in the trailer spread out over two hours. Yeah, I think it would it, it would almost be interesting to see if it was like, Yes, we're watching this movie about them making this movie, but we're also kind of watching the them making this movie. You know what I mean? Like, like we're almost kind of seeing into the behind the scenes of the movie as we're watching it. That's about a movie behind. The, anyways, um, I, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how Judd Apatow uh, pulls that off. Um, but I don't have. I literally have. I mean, unless he he probably had to do a bit of traveling. The actors all had to do a bit of traveling, and they probably had to travel pretty fast, like on a bullet train. Speaking of bullet trains, <laughs> uh, 
Okay, I I see a C plus on that one. Uh, Bullet Train, uh, the trailer uh, dropped. This is directed by David Leach. Um, Adapted from a novel by Kotaro Osaka. Five assassins find themselves on a fast-moving bullet train from Tokyo to Morioka uh, with only a few stops in between. They discover their missions are not unrelated to each other. This is starring Brad Pitt, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Zazie Beetz, Sandra Bullock, Joey King, Brian Tyree Henry, Logan Lerman, uh, Hiroyuki Sinada, Karen Fukuhara, and Andrew Koji. Uh, and Michael Shannon. Out. You didn't even mention Michael, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon? Like, yeah. Oh, I didn't even see him there. The okay. is crazy. He, he doesn't have a, a character name uh, in IMDb, so I yes. must have overlooked it. Uh, Michael Shannon is also in the movie. This is coming out July 15th exclusively in theaters. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of the trailer for Bullet Train? Obviously, <laughs> just just the sound of it is, is so ridiculous <laughs> that I would normally not even... I want to include something like this, you know, just the premise alone. But yeah. when you add this cast, there's got to be something going on here that all of these incredible actors signed on to be a part of it. So I think, I think this, they're, you know, it feels like a Cliff Beasts sort of premise. Totally. You just think assassins on a bullet train, but yeah. there's got to be something going on here. And so the cast alone has me intrigued. Uh, the tone looks like it's got great action mixed with really yeah. irreverent humor. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson looks hilarious in the little glimpses we get of him, and I mean, yeah, it's Brad Pitt hanging out the side of a train. Like I, I'm in, I guess. I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but <laughs> I feel it. Like, you know, it's interesting because I feel like it's um, it it reminds me of Snowpiercer, not from the sense of like of it being like yes, they're both on a train or whatever, but obviously it's a very different story. But just in the sense of like. It feels very much like a movie that, you know, obviously, like, you know, a lot of these um, theaters have been sort of having trouble with uh, their movies all around the world. Uh, and I'm sure Tokyo and Japan have had their fill of, of, you know, struggles in that regard as well. So I'm almost wondering if this is a movie very much targeted um, at audiences, you know, in Japan, and they're they're bringing in these big Western actors to sort of um, kind of uh, really sort of play to that, and and exclusively in theaters, very felt 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 very like that's kind of what they were going for. Um, so you know, I, I feel like that's kind of what we're looking at here. But I love the Japanese version of Staying Alive. Um, I think it's kind of cool that like Brad Pitt is kind of dorky in it like he's wearing like a freaking like bucket hat and he's like he doesn't look like he's the most badass guy on the train you know what i mean no like, and he, and and brad pitt plays those characters so well yes right. he can be your rugged do-it-all leading man but he's almost at you know his peak for me when he is playing that goofy character and so if yeah. that's what we get here you know and 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 you know you were you were mentioning snowpiercer but this almost does seem like a, a modernized version of Murder on the Orient Express where, you oh, know, yeah. but rather than, you know, trying to solve a mystery here, it's them all trying to kill somebody but on a train, you know. And so, like, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of potential here uh, to have some goofy fun. It's going to be very stylish and violent. I hope we get to see more of, uh, like, different locations around Japan. I think that would be really cool. But um, And also it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very Deadpool-esque. Like, I'm, I'm expecting that style of comedy um uh just based off of who's making it but um yeah man bullet train again uh july 15th exclusively in the theaters um but speaking of of fun 
this next trailer we got was really fun. Uh, and I, I don't know why I'm talking like that. Uh, but this is uh, we got a trailer for DC League of Super Pets. This is directed by Jared Stern. Uh, and the description is as follows. Crypto, the super dog, uh, not to be confused with the currency, uh, and Superman are inseparable best friends, sharing the same superpowers and fighting crime side by side in Metropolis. However, when the Man of Steel and the rest of the Justice League are kidnapped, Crypto must convince a ragtag group of animals to master their own newfound powers for a rescue mission. Uh, this is starring Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Vanessa Bayer, Natasha Leone, Diego Luna, John Krasinski, Mark Marin, Kate McKinnon, Ben Schwartz, Thomas Middleditch, Jamila Jamil, and Keanu frickin' Reeves. Uh, this is coming out May 20th, also exclusively in theaters. And Kevin, before we, we get your thoughts on this, I gotta tell you, there have been some clickbait-ass articles coming out where it's just saying Keanu Reeves to star as the next Batman. I'm just like, okay, like, come on. That's so unfair to, to trick oh, your yeah. readers. I, <laughs> I saw all those. And I mean, kudos, I guess, for trying to capitalize like that, because you know yeah. that's getting you a lot more clicks than Keanu Reeves is starring in a Batman movie as a cartoon with dogs, right? Right, exactly. Although, for me, that premise is great. You mean John Wick actually gets to team up with the dog this time and fight vengeance? Like, <laughs> oh, let's, let's go. go. Let's yeah. go. And I love the way that, like, I love how they did this this trailer. I will say it did feel more of, like, a, a teaser than a trailer. We didn't really get much in the way of of story, but um, I am excited. I love, I love how they sort of show the character design very much matching you know, uh, Ace, the dog, and Batman, just with the the way their ears are and and, and on the cowl. And um, I think it's hilarious that even in an animated movie about DC super pets, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart still find a way to be frenemies. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like they'll, that's, they'll, at no point in time is that ever not going to be a thing for them. So I think that's hilarious. Um, I think it's it's going to be a great movie for for DC fans and their kids. I know... Again, the Batman coming out. There were, I just see. I saw so many terrible, awful takes on Twitter of parents just being like, "I took my kid to see the Batman, and they were bored, or it was too dark." And I'm just like, "How is it? How is it not clued in for people that like? Not all of these superhero movies are for your kids. Like, how how have they not figured this out yet? It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think this is the, you've you've nailed the it on the head here. This is that movie for families, you know. Yes. Like sometimes the the superhero stuff is for adults and this is hopefully for everyone and and yeah. obviously the tone looks like it'll be perfect for kids, but I was picking up some vibes that I think the humor might resonate with with us older fans who do like our Batmans to be dark and, and brooding and everything. But, totally. you know, yeah, this this looks like it's for everyone, and that's a perfect tone for DC to set based on so much of their content, be it Suicide Squad, be it Peacemaker. It is a bit more skewered for older audiences. And so sure. when you are dealing with comic books and, and superhero characters, the a market for kids is very important to sort of latch onto. And so if this is the way they want to do that while leaving – their other properties, their 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 live action stuff to be a bit more adult skewed. That's this is the perfect way to do it. But this is kind of fun too because I think, even though um, the Harley Quinn animated series is not for kids either, the way that they're gonna probably parody a lot of these characters. Like I'm looking forward to seeing if they do bring in like a Bane and like I just I'm excited to see all the different um, matchups for like the different pets 
to to their superhero, right? Like Ace is with uh, with with Batman, and then Crypto is Superman, and then we've also got um, PB the Pot-bellied Pig, Merton the Turtle, uh, and then Diego Luna as Chip the Squirrel, uh, also joining the group. So I think it'll be interesting to see like who who are they matched up with. I could almost see like um, apparently the Turtle is like got super speed, so maybe he's with like the Flash or something nice. along those lines, nice. right? I think yeah, like just those matchups yeah. alone will be fun to see them play with and, and right? sort of explore a bit more. I'm stoked. I'm stoked for it. I, I do hope we get more of a a little bit more story, but again, I, I'm I'm okay if we don't get all the jokes uh in one. I just want to see kind of where they're going with the storyline uh and see how exactly like how did the Justice League get, get all captured and now their pets have to save them? So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> um I'm sure it'll be part of a future Whatcha? But that is it for our trailers. Uh, we're we're rounding out the the end of this episode, this Big Boys Club exclusive episode, <laughs> as we've we've dubbed it. Um, Kevin, whatcha, my friend? What what you, what have you been watching? What have you been enjoying? What do you want to let the geeks know uh, to go check out? Well, you know when when there's a show uh, uh, with with the help of Taika Waititi about pirates, I'm going to be go. tuning in the second <laughs> I can, and so I did, and. Uh, uh, you know what? I personally, uh, I really, really enjoyed the first three episodes of Our Flag so Means good. Death. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see the 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 reaction from people so all over the map, and there was a lot of negativity towards it. And, what? and I'm just not sure if these people sort of knew just how dry this show was going to be. Right. Uh, but I was fully prepared for it and fully embraced it. I mean, when you have a 10 minute scene of pirates sewing their own flags it's so um, cute like, it's so adorable I'm, i would have watched a whole episode about their arts and crafts time uh, there's <laughs> there was just so much here uh, and I, I will admit it was a bit slower in terms of laugh out loud in your face humor but again mm-hmm. that's not what i was expecting here and i think it is the subtlety that leads to all of a sudden there being a bigger more in your face moment that really hit, makes those hit even harder and like reese darby is incredible as as steed bonnet which i actually learned is um apparently he's based off of a real gentleman like the gentleman pirate was a real thing yeah and so i always like to if i don't know the story already i always like to watch the story being told and then i'll do all my research and read up about it but Mm -hmm. i can't wait to find out what the true story that this character is based <laughs> off is, uh, because this retelling of it in itself is is a lot of fun to explore. I love the idea of trying to lead this crew of violent pirates into battle, but you yeah. yourself are a big wussy fancy boy in your oh. in your doilied outfits. And, I love know. it so much, Kevin. I love. <laughs> I just love like I love the fact that he's like. And what do we do if we come back from battle and uh, and and we're you know mentally we got all this mental anguish built up or whatever and he's like talk about <laughs> and they just the way that they're it's just so endearing. There's like a moment where he's like reading them to sleep. <laughs> oh yeah, he, like he reads it's, to them every night, and even even the tough so... the tough pirates can't oh, lie, and they they love that. And love I love it. that he's built essentially a. A 17th, 18th century cruise ship for these pirates with all the <laughs> activities on board and everything a like that. Full library. <laughs> yeah, I almost, I almost hope they can explore the ship a bit more going forward. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. we spent a lot of time off the ship after that first episode, and so yeah, yeah, even just that as a, a character, sort of in and of itself, I hope we get to explore a bit more. But no, I'm certainly on board, and and we haven't even really gotten to 
seeing Taika Waititi in the the lead of no. the uh, you know in the role of the lead villain, and so yeah. that that'll also just add I think something to it going forward. And I I love the like sort of just the the overall plot, the backstabbing that's going on, but also just like like there's a character played by Matthew Mayer called Black Pete. <laughs> it's just why like you'll find out why he's called Black Pete, but like he's just. He's so funny just the way that he, he even like is just his he's got like a lisp sort of accent coming through and he's just like the complete like opposite of like a threatening guy. But at the same time, like they all do find a way to sort of at times look like like good could kind of become real pirates. But I don't <laughs> right, know, man. Right. I'm really only I'm time really will it. tell. Right. Uh, but what about yourself? Uh, what else have you uh, been watching this week? I have also been watching. I watched all of the boys presents Diabolical. Um, I I've been checking it out. Uh, it's on Amazon now. All the I think it's like seven episodes or something like that. Um, it's honestly, uh, you know, I think we had really high praise. Justin and I had really high praise for Star Wars Visions, uh, which is the anthology animated series that came out on Disney Plus uh, last year. And this this is very much in line with that. I will say, there there wasn't ever a moment that sort of struck me as as I mean, and it might be because I'm more of a Star Wars fan, um, and that universe is so you know rich and beloved. They can do so much with it. Uh, but I will say there there are some really great stories told in here. I just don't know if I want any of them. If I want to go back to any of them. Um, but I will leave a little nugget for you without spoiling anything. We talked about the idea of like, could these be connected in some ways? Uh, and there is at least one episode that is 100% uh, connected to the actual boys storyline, which is really, really cool that they can sort of give us these stories in these, these different ways. I've just seen, uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it myself. It's certainly on my, my list of to do's over the next uh, week. Probably I'm just, yeah. So much negativity again coming out in in a lot of the the fan reactions to it. Um, a from the animation style, which is something I, I obviously want to ask you about, mm. and I know you did sort of touch on that in comparing it to uh, the Star Wars animated show that uh, mm-hmm. what, what's it called again? Visions. Um, Visions, and yeah. then also a lot of people saying, "Who is this for? It's not for fans of the boys. It's not for animation fans. So who is this show for?" So. As a as a fan of animation and of the the live action boy series, were you able to, you know, I know you said it's not necessarily connected, but did you find it fit into that universe at least? And what were your thoughts on the animation? Uh, well, for just really quickly off the bat, like the aspect of of not really watching anything that made me freak out as much as Star Wars Visions does actually come more from the stories and the lore in it, um, where they're really good. They're just they're not all at a place where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this or they they went that far with it. Um, there's some really sort of silly stuff that is a, like the Aquafina episode is absolutely ridiculous and, and charming in that way. But I will say from an animation standpoint um, and, and like just in terms of, of the show overall, it's really good. I, I don't I don't understand any sort of criticisms that come at the animation. Uh, the episodes are very different between each one. Um, and it's cool because I will say, at least from a standpoint of like under going in, understanding who, okay, who made each episode, which at the beginning of each episode, there is a title card to let you know kind of who did this one. 
the moment you see that, your expectations are set for what you need to expect out of the episode. So okay, from an animation cool. standpoint, from a story standpoint, from everything. Um, and it's it was really fun to sort of like be like, oh, oh, sick. Okay, so this is the this is the Justin Roiland episode or or this is the Seth Rogen episode, right? So um yeah, man, it's it's honestly I highly recommend you you do check it out. If not, to even just check out uh the one episode that does tie into uh what's coming further in the boys. Uh which I am so I'm so amped for the boys, Kevin. Let's go. So did Let's this go. did this help sort of fill in the gap between seasons and get you excited for the boys, which comes uh, what uh late May, early June ish? I you know what? It it got me excited for seeing these these characters. Uh there is an episode um you know with Homelander that does actually feature Anthony Starr and uh and so and that that alone was just like oh I've, I've miss I miss Homelander uh and how crazy and insane he is. So um <laughs> I I am really uh stoked for it. I, I don't necessarily know if this will fill the 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 gap necessarily just because again even though as i said there is one episode a lot of it really doesn't uh in any way connect it connects to the world more than anything um but again we'll have to wait and see sort of how the two compare and contrast when that comes out uh but that is it uh for this big boys club episode we hope you enjoyed this week in geek and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news or any of the content we cover here well i was gonna toss this to our jacked russell terrier uh j-law but instead i'm gonna toss this bone over to our cutthroat corgi himself to let you know how you can reach us you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. But if you prefer your boys to be live action and not animated, you can also hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. Very nice. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, uh, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Fresh uh, and Turning Red, and our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Matt Reeves' The Batman, as well as our recent Pokemon Day episode, where I was joined by our good friends of the show, Canadian actor Monroe Chambers, and Pokemon and Disney content creator Mr. Mitch George, to discuss the announcements of Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. So go give those episodes a listen and leave us a five-star review if you don't mind. We are Geekcentric, and you can be too, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, and if you want to tune in live and, and keep the conversation going while watching me do some gaming or opening up some Pokemon cards uh, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash nate plays games and follow me on instagram at nate plays games kevin thank you so much for joining me for today's episode and as we say love ya get home safe guys <laughs>